Hello and welcome to another edition of Getting Hammered. I'm your co-host, Victor Mattis, along with Mary Catherine Ham, who is speechless, quite literally. Mary Catherine came down with a cold that took her voice away, which you might have noticed on the last episode of Getting Hammered because she sounded like Kathleen Turner. I was going to say Brett Summers from Match Game, but that's too obscure. Come on. Anyway, this would have been our 77th episode, which means that's right. We have just enough material for a clip show special. So sit back, relax, have your coffee, or go for a stroll as we take our own stroll down memory lane. Enjoy. I'm thinking about this and how long it took me to recover, and then I thought about Dana Nessel, who is uh, Michigan's uh, Democratic Attorney General, who uh, on October 30 had gone to a Michigan-Michigan State game. Don't blame her one bit. No, very exciting. I would love to be at that game. Very exciting. You know, they live for this up there. And, and she got a little carried away and had a little bit to drink and passed out in the stands. And there is, there's a picture of her and yeah. she is flat out. She's flat out. Um, and, and then you know what happened, the rest of what happened. She, uh, her friends woke her up mm-hmm. and said it was a bad idea that she might throw up on her constituents. Oh, no. And so they dragged her out of the stadium and they literally wheeled her out. They put her in a wheelchair. I wish that happened to me. I mean, that's, they should have one on hand for you at the home. <laughs> they, they should, just because when that happens. Look, this is why yeah. I don't have constituents, because there's never a risk of my throwing up on them. <laughs> right, or, or feeling bad about it, or them <laughs> voting you out. You know, if you do it, you do it. So her excuse was, uh-huh. her excuse was she had too many Bloody Marys on an empty stomach, which brings up all sorts of questions and issues for me. The first one is, I don't think you really have an empty stomach when you're drinking Bloody Marys because if, if you get the right one, there's all sorts of garnishes. You get vegetables. There's there's protein in there. there you got is, bacon. Well, there's that's true. Some do the bacon, and certainly there's. So I've had Bloody Marys that have had like shrimp. Right. So if you have six, you get half a dozen shrimp. No, it's a whole appetizer. Celery, olives. It's healthy. Worcestershire sauce. So you are are you yes. Are you a Bloody Mary or a mimosa person? I'm a Bloody Mary person, oh, for sure. Cool. And also, if you are, if you're tailgating, you should be, you should be packing in some food. You don't, you shouldn't be at the tailgate just having a Bloody Mary. But I, I also feel like my first thought when I saw this headline was relatable. Yes, I've been there. Relatable. This is the thing I thought I've been there. I, it can, it's happened to the best of us. Actually, <laughs> I was just the there best, a few days the ago. The best of us are listening yeah. and saying, "No, it does not happen to me." Um, fine, it happens to the middle of us. Yes, <laughs> and yeah, not, I am one of best. those. It's not the best. Uh, so stay tuned for my game because I haven't it's had a, very I haven't been drinking for ten months. So somebody could really snap some pics of me. When you just when kidding, you, I'll have the kids. I'll, I'll keep it tame. When you drink Bloody Marys, how many can you drink? I mean, I think I usually, I mean, it's going to be a very tame number for you. I would say I usually have two. No, I'm going to say the same thing. Yeah. I think for any reasonable person, two Bloody Marys <laughs> is enough because there's all sorts of things going on. A lot of acids and mm-hmm. tomato juice. It's a savory drink. It, it's a lot. It's not mimosas. You, you could probably have a lot of, you can have oh, a whole yeah. pitcher of mimosas, yes. right? But you can get heartburn, acid reflux, <laughs> things like that. That Believe me. <laughs> Drinking with old people, with <laughs> Vic and Mary Catherine. Like, no. Don't it takes us three days to recover, and you get heartburn every time. Sponsored by Tomes. <laughs> uh, and it's true, because I do take that. But I think it's crazy. So I have no idea how many Bloody Marys she had to get to that point. Well, but that was very unfortunate. Hopefully she's feeling better. It's it's not a great look, but I, I did have some sympathy for yes. it. I, do you do you make... I mean, it's a big game. It's a rivalry game, too. It's a rivalry you gotta game. you got to tie right. one on for that. Yes, exactly. 
uh, it would be like Ohio State versus Georgetown or something. It would be big. <laughs> yes, I mean, that's you, exactly do you, it. Do you, make, do you make your own Bloody Marys? I haven't in a while, but I enjoy it. I mean, I, I like a Bloody Mary bar or somebody, but I really would prefer someone set that up for me. Oh, yeah, to do it yourself yeah. at the fixings. <laughs> right. I, I want it all staged, and then I'll come in and drink. That's what I want to do. I haven't made it in a while, but I have been told I make a very good one. And I think the secret is I use individual cans of Campbell's tomato juice. So no mixes, Ooh. none of the pre-mixed stuff. Okay. And then you put everything in it too, like the salt and the pepper, Worcestershire, as you were talking about, uh, lemon juice, and a little, sp- a small little spoonful of uh, Zatarain's uh, horseradish. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I like mine with some, some pickle juice too. That's, a, that's something that people add occasionally. Very nice. I mean, I would drink pickle juice on its own, so. There is a... Politico piece called Democrats Fall Flat with Latinx Language. And the whole thing is just a romp for anyone who has known this was the case for, I mean, this information has been available for a while, but Politico is now letting Democrats know. As Democrats seek to reach out to Latino voters in a more gender neutral way, they've increasingly begun to use the word Latinx, a term that first began to get traction among academics and activists on the left. But that very effort could be counterproductive in courting those of Latin American descent, according to a new nationwide poll of Hispanic voters. Only 2% of those polled refer to themselves as Latinx, while 68% call themselves Hispanic and 21% favored Latino or Latina to describe their ethnic background. And it gets worse. 40% said that Latinx bothers or offends them to some degree, and 30% said they would be less likely to support a politician or organization that uses the term. It's amazing Thanks. because it's it's again it's it's it goes back to this hubris of we know we know so much more than you do and even though it's your people and you've had this culture and this language for what a couple hundred years maybe at most I don't know and it's maybe, also maybe it, Spanish it's a, we it's can a change gendered, that it's a gendered language a lot of languages are right and so. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, German is the same way, right? Der, die, das. French is the same way. Right. And what they want to do and with, with the Spanish language is what they really want to do is not just say we should say Latinx or, or Latin X, but uh, rather that you need to basically change. Your language needs to right. change because we think that it's wrong and that it's unfair and that it's discriminatory. Your language or the language of, you know, Cervantes. Or whoever this is really and what they want to do and of course it's going to be a, a huge turnoff i don't blame them i'm surprised the number is even larger anyone who mentions that would drive me nuts wait till somebody starts telling me matthew foldy was uh our, our my colleague at the free beacon was making a joke about uh, uh a filipino friend of his who 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 says that the term should be philippines right and oh, i just gosh. said wait wait till it was he was joking but it'll, really it'll happen. honestly it'll happen because of course why not because well, they know better there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of data that suggests that uh, that that's not the case, and I I do I do enjoy the the framing in this Politico piece is basically that uh, hey hey uh, Democrats are giving Republicans uh, an opening Republicans are seizing upon yeah yeah the your pouncing. use of Latin they're pouncing they're pouncing on this Latin they're pouncing Latin, Latinx um, when in fact what obviously the use of Latinx is not the whole problem it is a it's a signifier. It's of these symptom. folks, like That's you right. said, being condescending, <laughs> uh, assuming that they know what's best for a community that they're sort of putting their own beliefs upon, while Republicans on the other side not only have seized upon that as a, as a symbol of them being out of touch, but also have spent uh, a lot of time and money 
reaching out to the Latin, uh, the Latin, I just said it myself. <laughs> ah, you see how it's happening? It's so pervasive. <laughs> they got me. Yeah, they got Latino, you. The Latino and Hispanic community in, in greater and better ways uh, over the no, past couple of years. bring them in. Bring them yes. in. Absolutely. So the combination is not great. This is one of the quotes that, that struck me is one of the founders of Univision said they built the network around the concept of using the words Latino and especially Hispanic because it reflected the Spanish language and united Spanish speakers from across Latin America. He said his objection to Latinx is that it's, quote, too weird. It's dumb. It's foreign. It's not Spanish. <laughs> so that's that's, that's end a pretty of discussion. comprehensive. That's it. Full stop. That's it. That should be that should just be the reply every time somebody it's tries dumb. To, again they're trying to make it's like in mean girls they're trying to make fetch happen right <laughs> not that i watched that movie a lot but i'm just yeah. saying it's one of those things I haven't oh, it's on it. again <laughs> i haven't rewatched it recently at all <laughs> what's going on spotify versus neil young. neil young with joe rogan as the uh announcer which is appropriate because that's what he does for the ufc so he's <laughs> he's by the ring as this goes on so neil neil young aged rocker told Spotify, Hey, he actually wrote an open letter on his own website said, Hey, y'all got to get rid of podcaster, Joe Rogan, controversial podcaster, Joe Rogan. Can't have controversy on the internet. If, if you want my music, Neil Young and Spotify was like, "Mm, we'll take Joe Rogan. (laughs) So they, they of course famously pay Joe Rogan. I think the rumors are maybe a hundred million dollars for his podcast. He has millions and millions of listeners per day. I looked at the numbers in the Wall Street Journal piece, and it says that uh, Neil Young, of course, had like 6 million followers or something, mm-hmm. which compared to the Joe Rogan right. empire is small. Um, That's right. However, Neil Young probably wasn't making a lot of money off of his Spotify deal. It's, so it, Again, if it was somebody of a younger generation, it might make more waves if it was... Who did we talk about on the last show? Kendrick Lamar? Yes. <laughs> there you go. Whoever that person is. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> that would be, that that, you know, that would be a big deal. You know, Billie Eilish or whoever. Okay. That yeah. would be a big deal. No, I think um, you're right. I think the question would be whether, whether Neil Young is the vanguard of a bunch of young yes. artists taking yeah. their music off. I'm, I somewhat doubt that. Spotify's uh, statement is, we want all the world's music and audio content to be available to Spotify users. With that comes great responsibility in balancing both safety for listeners and freedom for creators. I would argue mm. they don't really have a responsibility for my safety <laughs> from things that go in my ears. No, you can make that choice yourself. I think I'm all right. Uh, that's right. Are you a Neil Young fan yourself? No, my, my doorway to Neil Young is the Skinnerd line. I hope Neil Young will remember Southern Man doesn't need him around anyhow. <laughs> that's like okay. that's most of my experience with Neil Young. Yeah, that is not me. I, I would be up in arms if it was like you too, but that's me. You know, um, I'll tell you. No, I like I like know. a few Neil Young mm-hmm. songs, but I'm I'm not a that, not a connoisseur. That's right. CSNY. I'll tell you who's probably not ever going to remove their music from Spotify uh, because of Joe Rogan. That'll be uh, Eric Clapton, oh, no, <laughs> Van no, Morrison. No. Same and, team. Yeah, same, same team. Van Morrison. High and, fives. In, fa- in fact, Eric Clapton and Van Morrison will probably do their next uh, album with Joe Rogan. The three of them. Oh, yeah, there you go. I like it. A, a collab. Right. I believe uh, Van Morrison, by the way, one of his songs on his latest album is Why Are You Still on Facebook? <laughs> it's okay. By the way, Howard Stern has spoken out about this on the ah. on the Neil Young side, of course. Oh, and a friend was noting on Twitter that his he's really fallen from his his former 
yeah you know rebel status yeah. he was yeah. like you know back in the day he was like i'll say whatever the f mm-hmm. i want on this mm-hmm. microphone and right. now it's and do like whatever no it's like i think i'm stealing this but these online rap scallions are are going to degrade our national character and it's i mean that's yeah if he's saying it rock stars do better yeah be more punk no that's so depressing shock shock jock mm-hmm. no more mm-hmm. well i feel like this is very shocking said the shock jock <laughs> I, by the way, I, I, I truly, and maybe maybe this is just, I'm a different type of person, mm-hmm. not afraid of Joe Rogan talking to a bunch of people for three hours. No. Like, they have these wide-ranging conversations. Sometimes he's wrong. Yeah. Sometimes I disagree with mm-hmm. him. But to me, he is an intellectually curious person mm-hmm. who asks people a bunch of questions, mm-hmm. and those people talk, and then we can have a discussion about that. You cannot start censoring people. Well, they have already, so I'm well, going to yeah. stop there. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot Especially start. Oops. Yeah, you can't. You know, I mean, once, but it's a health concern, so you can't have people making crazy statements like the virus came from a Wuhan lab, and then, <laughs> oh, wait, until we tell you it's okay. Oh, so. now it can be said. Yes. Now it can be okay. said. If you remember, if you're a dedicated 101-er. <laughs> yes, the 101. Hammerhead. You will remember that California passed a law. I believe it was a referendum. It was mm-hmm. an actual yes. people voted upon this mm-hmm. to to make it very strict how you can produce pork in the state of California. That's right. And that anybody who imported to California would also have to follow those rules. Yeah. So you weren't going to import a bunch of cheap cheaper pork from mm-hmm. other states. Well, these regulations have been supposed to go into effect for a long time. They keep putting them off because they're not going to have any bacon if they put these laws into effect. So now what's the next step? Uh, the next step is to let them eat turkey bacon. <laughs> it's, it's the, so, I mean, it's a reprieve yes. because the, the concern is that there's a because of supply chain and inflation that if you take that out, you're actually taking more out of a situation that they're already lacking in supermarkets. Because yeah, so you go to the supermarkets, there's not a lot there. I see this even at, even at the supermarket I go to. There are empty shelves, and, I mean, it's still fairly full, but it depends on what you're looking for. Jin Saki would say that's all in your imagination, It must be the, the, the lack of – I haven't seen romaine in ages. Can I just say this? And I, I like romaine, seen, and I haven't seen it I in ages. I love that you're out. You're on a quest for romaine. It is. And you used to see it all the time. And I'm like, what, what am I that used to be That used to be just a pedestrian yeah, lettuce. Yeah, no, no, a no, pedestrian no. lettuce. I, so, I, the, again, the, the, go for the whole chickens. They're still there. But the bacon, you're going to remove that. That's something that you right. – I still find bacon plentiful in the supermarket, but you're going to remove that – my also co- for like 10 bucks a pound. Yes. You're welcome to it. Yes. And my, my, my question is, uh, how much is it? When is enough, is, uh, uh, when is enough, enough for the Californians? Because, Ooh. okay, crime, homelessness, drugs, people going to the bathroom on the street, no bacon. Know, Maybe I mean, that'll be it. Know, that would be my line in the sand for sure. And I know we have some California listeners, and uh, I, can, I can black market ship you some bacon <laughs> should this go badly. So we will work on that. It's amazing. I shouldn't have said it publicly. We'll, That's I'll okay. back channel you. But this judge has put a stay basically That's on right. these regulations for now. So for now, you have bacon. Pray Enjoy I don't. Your pray I don't alter the deal further. Oh, very good. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, cancellation of Russia proceeds apace. Yes. Uh, to the point that let me just canceling makes you stupid. Like just getting really good at canceling yeah. makes you dumber and dumber. Okay. So the, here's the dumbness that we have going on. 
Uh, in light of Russia's invasion into Ukraine, this is Reason Magazine, many Westerners are understandably doing their level best to distance themselves from President Vladimir Putin and those loyal to him. But some of those gestures look increasingly like performance art. The latest utterly pointless sanction is the Cardiff Philharmonic Orchestra's announcement that it would remove music by Pyotr Ilyich Tchaikovsky, the Russian composer, from its all Tchaikovsky concert, calling it, quote, inappropriate at this time. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's... By the way, in term, I, I'm, whenever they mention like the name of these kind of classical music concerts that, you know, they're going to hold the, the, uh, these, these philharmonics, hold these things. I am always reminded of the line from the Simpsons when Homer is trying to get in the good graces of Marge and he buys, you know, tickets to, for an evening with Philip Glass. And he just goes, just one evening, you know, but no, but Tchaikovsky, <laughs> Tchaikovsky, I like, but it is, it is absurd. And I mentioned this also in my, in the piece that I did for the Beacon about the boycotting of Russian vodka and how a lot of what we drink is not, you might think it's Russian, but it's not like Smirnoff and Stoli. Somebody sent on Twitter, a picture of uh, a, at a liquor store, a bottle of Stoli and underneath it says product of Latvia, member of NATO. It's just there you before, go. before you See, smash it. Now that's the way to go. That's the way to yeah. go. More, more speech, not less, right? Let's inform right. the people about Latvia. Yeah, that's, 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 <laughs> that's right. That's right. But it, no, 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 that, but it, it's crazy. And it goes back to the time of like, and you know, when bartenders were uh, wanted to boycott the Moscow mule in 1950, you know, I mean, it was being made next door in Connecticut. So stop the madness is what I think we want. Stop the madness. Yeah. So, and, and just further, so we, so we can take this moment to learn a bit, a little bit about Tchaikovsky. He was one of the first and only Russian composers to, to reject Russian nationalism and endear his music to the, the West. He was very, he was yeah. very on board with Russia being more open. And he also loved Ukraine and holidayed there. So, That's right. and you know how I know he's not supporting Putin's invasion of Ukraine. He is dead. <laughs> That's another important thing. Once again, context comes up. Yeah. And again, as, as I mentioned uh, in my daughter's piano recital, some other uh, kid was playing. It was like Rachmaninoff, Prokofiev, and Shostakovich. And that's fine. And it's interesting to learn more about people like Shostakovich and you know how uh, complicated it was back then. And But every time I see his name, I always think of Rob Lowe in St. Elmo's Fire. I believe he pronounced it Shostakovich. <laughs> So. Yes. Don't, uh, don't deprive yourself of Russian art guys. No, like, we we no. can, we can handle this. Okay. That's right. McDonald's also gone from, from Russia. Now that is interesting. McDonald's and Coke. And yeah. I, my, my, what I wonder is this, you know, okay. I understand there's pressure on these companies not to do business, you know, in Russia. And I assume, I don't know, does a state get a piece of that action in terms of the money that they make in that time? They have to pay taxes or whatever they do in, 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 in Russia, but you're so they're making the lives of Russian, the Russian people more miserable, or at least yes. more annoying. And don't well, get I mean, me your, wrong. Your life is definitely more miserable without fries. That is yes. without no, I, quality I McDonald's I fries. I had a McDonald's breakfast. I know it's supposed to be intermittent fasting. And yet again, I had breakfast that I couldn't resist. And it's the best meal you can have at McDonald's is breakfast. In any event, is the aim here that enough people will be upset of being deprived of a cumulative deprivation of these things like McDonald's and Coke and everything else, that then they will rise up and force Putin to withdraw from Ukraine? Or is this just what? I was about to poo-poo that notion. And then I thought I would probably rise up if someone took my <laughs> McDonald's. <laughs> you, no, yeah. I, I guess I, I don't know how I feel about this one mm -hmm. because I understand the, the desire not to do business in Russia at this point. Mm -hmm. 
how I guess the idea is, hey, we thought for a long time that all this trade was going to liberalize a place like Russia. And it turns out that they're getting all the advantages of the trade without being liberalized at the top in any meaningful way. And so if we take away the advantages of the liberal trade, does that change the calculus? Right. I'm not sure that it's going to, but that, so that's on your radar. McDonald's out. Yes. I was surprised. Yeah, because they do a lot of business there. And uh, it's, it's worth remembering. There are some great videos of the opening of McDonald's, uh, which I believe was in 1990 when it opened in Moscow and the thousands and thousands of Russians who wanted to try it for the first time, which has got to be, imagine that. Wrapped around blocks and blocks. I mean, they were very used to standing in lines before that. So that's right. No, they stand in line for shoes. Wasn't an issue for them. Now people stand in line for the McRib. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. On the same subject of of cancellation, cancellation making you dumber, getting super excited about canceling things means that you sort of forego critical thought about those things. Yes. And there's another event going on in Florida. You may have heard about uh-huh. a school bill that has passed in Florida. Now I'm going to say the, the name of it that the press and its opponents use, right? It's called I'm the shaking don't, my head. don't say gay bill. Okay. That is the name that opponents use. Yeah. As, and uh, it's Governor, catching on. As governor. Yeah. Surprisingly, the media has used it in a just blanket sense across mm-hmm. the across the board but what it look what ends up happening is that we don't actually look at what is in the bill and i find Shocking. that aggravating whether it is the georgia voting bill which was just called horrendous even mm-hmm. though it was more liberal than a place like oh i don't know delaware yeah colorado joe biden's home state yeah. but we treat it like it's this horrendous thing texas voter suppression law by the way they had a primary and numbers up in that primary over 2018 yeah. uh, among democrats apparently very unsuccessful suppressing so in this case we have uh, a bill that is seven pages long by the way and two pages of it are a summary <laughs> and yeah get to the actual bill text. So I don't think that I love the bill, but I, I would love to engage with what's actually in it. So my, my friend Guy Benson and co-author on End of Discussion, which you can find at booksellers everywhere, he went through it. So he says seven pages. Okay. Here's what I've gleaned from reading the bill and talking to some folks about it. First, I don't think it's fair or helpful for the news media to adopt progressive activist shorthand, don't say gay, to describe the legislation. <laughs> It doesn't actually say that, or it definitely does not ban anyone from saying gay. That's There's a bunch of people just using their Twitter feeds to say gay a bunch as if it's a yeah. protest to this bill, but this bill has, that would obviously be bad, but that's not what's going on. It would be uh, too complicated to explain the truth though. Yes. And it, now, yeah. and there were older versions of the bill that were dumber than this current one. The current mm-hmm. one is that it, it between kindergarten, which is five years old, and third grade, which is about eight, mm-hmm. no sexual identity, quote, classroom instruction. Now it was classroom discussion at one mm-hmm. point, which would be mm-hmm. a broader thing. Now it's classroom instruction. <sighs> K through three, limiting that kind of instruction is not very controversial. It shouldn't be, except for there are some people who insist that the discussion needs to be had. And, you know, and you hear about this in kindergartens where they're discussing before you even before kids even know how reproduction works yeah. that they're having. They want to have the other discussion. And I, I just don't think that's I don't think that's appropriate. Now, well, and if you pulled this among parents, 
if you pulled not not the thing they say the bill is, but this particular restriction on K through three, this is an 80-20 issue mm-hmm. for adult voters. Like, yeah. and, and this is the thing that kind of annoys me about, about free speech discussions is that all of these curriculum discussions become a free speech discussion. And yeah. liberals are like, don't you believe in free speech? They're taking mm-hmm. these, they're taking this stuff out of the classroom. Mm-hmm. I am as close as you can get to a free speech absolutist for adults. Yeah. When it comes to children, content discussions and curriculum discussions are perfectly appropriate and we will have them all over the country. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I will agree with them and sometimes I will disagree with them. What I disagree with in this bill is that when it gets to um, some of the discussions, it said guy guy writes uh, one provision, several other transparency components don't bother him because like parents should know what the kids are being taught, but there's a possible red flag with some vague language that says, um, if one section of the bill is interpreted to to mean that parents must be informed by schools about potential impacts to their kids' emotional and mental well-being, Mm -hmm. that may have the effect of forcing schools to out LGBT students to their parents, right? So the, the bill would say that, hey, your transparency would go so far that you would have to a counselor or a trusted teacher would have to report to the parents if a child brings to them concerns about their own sexual identity. No matter how supportive your home is, you should have the freedom to do that on your own timeline. Mm-hmm. So that how old are how what how old are we talking about? Well, that goes kids? to older. That that goes oh, to okay. older kids. Okay. So that's that's the concern. <laughs> is it it's vague Not enough? Five year olds. This could cause cause issues. Anyway, so a guy who uh, is yeah. gay says support systems, sequencing, trust, and et cetera can become complex factors, even if an LGBT kid has a loving family at home, as I did. Uh, I don't like the general notion of schools withholding from parents, but if this provision means that particular type of disclosure would be mandatory, that would do damage for some kids. So mm. there, I just... I just want to engage with what's actually there. <laughs> what, what, you, what you're searching for is something called nuance. Yeah. And yeah. it's lacking. Yeah. Uh, question for you. When did you learn in school about like reproduction? Uh, I want to say like it was a middle school yeah. timed thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sixth through eighth grade, probably. I was going to say fifth grade. Uh, yeah. for me. And, and when you read that, it's like, well, that's gross. <laughs> I <laughs> yes. still feel that way, by the way. The health that. class uh, in middle school was always so deliciously uncomfortable for everyone. Just, oh, yes. what are we doing? Yes. Yes. Well, ours was separated by sex, which you could still do at the head, but they don't oh, do that Oh, really? Anymore. Look at you yeah. guys. I know. I was a Catholic school. And now everybody's all, I'm hearing about this now, like in real time. And it's yeah. uh, quite something. Lots of reactions in the classroom. All right. And then, so, so we've, I, I want to a little bit uncancel that Florida bill. You can look at Guy mm-hmm. Vincent's tweet thread about it to yeah. learn more about what's yeah. there. Just, just let's deal with what the things that are actually in the bills we're talking about. That's right. Even Please. if you disagree with them, um, filling your, filling your tweet thread with the, with the word gay is not in opposition to this bill because the bill doesn't actually do that, but we should be wary of possible unintended unintended consequences one one publication dares to say that the spirit of 2022 vic mm-hmm. is a jaeger meister vic we need vic's take on this how much time do we have <laughs> as much as you want my friend okay good all right here we go it is not a surprise that they're trying to make this move and making jaeger to be like 
Respectable. Okay. Respectable. So Germans, this is a German drink. It's a, it's, it's a digestif. They love the digestifs. And I'm not talking about we're going to do crazy shots. They will take one after dinner, and it helps calm the stomach, as they say. It'll so, help you so with sleep. So you're telling me that the Germans sip Jaeger. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. We can have it. Because if there's anything you want, it's for that taste to last longer. Well, no, this is what's crazy. Okay, hear me out. Hear me okay, out, Mary all right, Catherine. All right. I'm listening. Uh, it tastes like coffee syrup. Like uh, cough syrup. Coffee, sorry. It tastes like cough syrup. But it is not all that different from the Italian digestifs like Amaro, Fernet Branca, which is very bitter. This is bitter. And all they're saying is, why can't we be treated like for no one's making jokes about Fernet or for Amaro? Like, we want to be them. And you don't have to like it, but nobody makes fun of it. And that's what they want. Here's what's interesting, of course, is Jaeger owes its very success to the frat culture. Yes. Right? And what happened was the great Sidney Frank, who was later the inventor of Grey Goose, in late 70s, early 80s, he purchased, as a distributor, he purchased Jägermeister, which was very popular in the German immigrant community, but they only sold about 300 cases a year. Okay, remember that, 300 cases a year. He had an idea of going to college campuses and having beautiful women go up to guys who are already drunk in the bar. <laughs> and what do the guys like to do when they have a lot to drink? They like to take it to the next level, right? Mm-hmm. You start with beer, and then you start doing shots, and then you start doing shots of things that you can barely get down, like cement mixers or this or that. But here's something that's not as bad as a cement mixer. It tastes like cough syrup. Can you do it? And it's a sign of your sort of your, your toughness and your macho-ness. It's very, man, you're going to do these Jaeger bombs and Jaeger shots. And City Frank says, 80% of guys will say, yeah, they're not going to turn down and drink from a beautiful yeah. woman. And so it became a hit. And from 300 cases, it now sells over a million cases. Wow. Yeah. Seriously? Yes. And you can find out more in a book called Vodka, How a Colorless, Sodaless, Flavorless Spirit Conquered America, available on Barnes & Nobles and Amazon. This is fascinating. First of all, I told you I, I could don't, go on forever on I don't like, I don't, I don't love Jaeger. It's got that licorice taste. Do you taste. like, but do you like those other kind of licorice coffee li- <sighs> digestives? Like, I mean, it's not my Have favorite. you ever had Fernet Branca, Amaro? I think I've had Sambuca. Amaro. I yes. have had Sambuca, yes. You don't like them, or you do like I don't, them? I don't, no, I don't like okay. them. They're All too right, much, well, they're we'll, too much for me. I will say this, I like the Jaeger logo. It's very oh, cool. it's very German. Have very you ever cool seen looking. the, do you remember from like a year or two ago, the Jaeger commercials, they were actually scary. <laughs> they were like Jaeger clubs, but they looked like really scary. Like, I, I don't want to be at that club. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, well, uh, yeah. you know, it is a symbol of our toxic masculinity problem. That, that's right. That's right. That's well, right. Look, well, the same idea of having beautiful women go to bars. That you can't, I don't know if you can do that anymore. I don't think you can. That's not a problem. Well, yeah, somebody does. Bud Light does that somewhere, doesn't it? Bud Light Lime. <laughs> I hope Surely they do. that was that was the thing. Like when I was in college, yeah, there were always people Try, uh, around selling the newest. Try, yeah, yeah, uh, and, and they're so product. friendly. Actually, they're so friendly. <laughs> you know, you know who used to you know who used to do this. I believe our friend uh, Alex Pazdro. Really? Yeah. yeah when, Alex, I want to know why don't we get hot dudes in the bar? Yeah. Us you know? Well, I actually I only get all of human I only get, history is I only like get men in, in bars like, hey, babe, can I buy that, you a drink? And the yeah, but well, and I, I'm like, no, go away. I'm with my girlfriend. But go I would away. like, no. Unless but they're I, attractive, then you would say yes. Well, Hypothetically. Maybe. I mean, Well, like, here's what I'm saying is I don't get a, I don't get a guarantee that they're <laughs> hot, like as a, a condition of employment, right? Yeah, true. Unless I go to the right bar. I would. <laughs> so this also reminds me. Okay, this new Abercrombie and Fitch documentary. Have you guys yes. watched this? Basically, the same thing. I watched thing the trailer, and now I'm getting all sorts of suggestions for gay cinema. 
Yeah. Well, then <laughs> there's nothing that. wrong with you that. Found, I'm just you're saying. Found, you found your way into a yeah, well, algorithm. What, what, what Sonny Bunch said to me, because, oh, so normal then. Yeah. It's normal yeah. what I have. Okay, go ahead. I just feel like I have indigestif just thinking about this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm so gonna, you were watching, did you watch the documentary? The, I did, uh, and it was really interesting. I mean, okay. So interesting good, interesting bad. It was. In, it, it started off like interesting, and I was like, how is this stuff kind of legal? And then I was like, well, of course there aren't going to be laws against all of this. It's just kind of crappy people doing crappy mm-hmm. things, as people who are crappy tend to do. And then it was like this company is very racist. And it was like, well, yeah, they did just kind of cater to, like, pretty yeah. white people. It was, I mean, yeah. I, I didn't have minority, like, Adonis's. No, well, I don't actually think, yeah, I don't that, actually think whoa, they did. You know I what I would like? Didn't. I would like the class action, action suit against the cologne smell coming from oh my inside. You can yeah. smell that. I don't. I mean, if you yeah. were in a mall, which I no one is. But didn't but you <laughs> feel, didn't you feel, I don't know about you, but, I, you know, the, the few times I walked in there, I would feel intimidated. Uh, I mean, I think that was the idea. It was supposed to be aspirational. Well, well, okay. Also, speaking to, you know, a store catering to women, they would have the hot guys out there in front of the store. I always thought they said a guy and a girl, but it was just the guy. I don't remember ever seeing girls out in front of the store, but Uh they would have, like, the hot shirtless dudes out with the... Santa didn't, hats at Christmas time. Didn't Abercrombie have its start as like an outdoor brand? It does. Yes. I liked when I started yes. going. Do they talk about that on the documentary? Do. Because that's when I went to Abercrombie because I'm ancient. In 1898? Yes, when that's it when started? I was there. That's when I was there. <laughs> and I, 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 have a, I have a tie from Abercrombie and it still has the old logo. And it was very woodsy. It's like we're going to, yeah. you know, Thanks. go out and, you know, with the hounds. Yeah. Well, this is actually the beginning of. Vic's editing career. You know how Hemingway got those short clipped sentences. It was a that's a Vic special. He was all over that. They shopped together, and then they worked on some <laughs> oh, of no, his me, novels. Oh, yes. oh, me and uh, Papa. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah right. You guys that, got together. Yeah, that's right. That's Vacationed right. Vacationed in uh, in Key right. West with the six-toed that's cats. Right. And it went, oh, yeah. it went, you know, went went, went to Kilimanjaro. Yes. <laughs> Actually, you did that, not in me. Your well, you had a calf. You had a calf I, injury, so I you did. couldn't make it all the way up. Couldn't make it all the way up. No, I made it to the the coffee bar. Okay. Let's talk about whether the United States government, one of the main purveyors of disinformation in this country, should be figuring out what is disinformation and what is not. Exactly. Is it going to be dealing with mm-hmm. domestic sources? They said no, but there's already a State Department section that deals with foreign dis and misinformation. So, quite frankly, I don't believe you. Right. And the whole press is just like, mm, I mean, this sounds like okay. <laughs> this sounds all right. Cool. Except for us. Except for us. We're but vigilant. We're, well, we're the disinformation. Yeah, we are. I think it was a problem that they chose a person, obviously, who thought the Hunter Biden laptop story was a hoax. Yes. And then at the same time thought the Russia hoax was real. Well, and right? he, I think but it, this so is the was, problem, right? The disinformation, misinformation fight yeah. truly is just a guise for whatever liberal elite think is yeah. the correct thing to be talking about. That undermines any fight you're going to have against actual dis and misinformation. Right. right. Because if you are someone who bought the Hunter Biden disinformation about it being disinformation, follow me down the rabbit hole, (laughs) then you are not somebody who can discern this. You have decided based on your ideology what is good information and what is bad information. And I think that there was enough of a public reaction largely against this. And you knew it was bad when I think even Hill Democrats were embarrassed about this. Yeah. Didn't they cancel a hearing because they just yeah, they did were not like, want her yes. off of the stand? Yeah, I mean, it was ripe for ridicule. Yeah. And I think it was perfect for an Internet age, something that perhaps someone who is a an expert in 
online dis and misinformation and campaigns might have anticipated before she was given this job. But yeah, the the clips were too numerous, the silliness too embarrassing, the fact that she had fallen for disinformation many times over. It's a problem. And I think it I think it helps because it lays bare that this disinformation fight is not actually about disinformation. Right. At the same time, you know this is only the beginning of her career. Oh my gosh, yes. Can you picture her? Well, she's already on MSNBC. I was going to say, she's going to be on MSNBC. She's on Chris Hayes' show last night saying that, you know, mm-hmm. here's, the, here's the real problem. Yeah. Is that the That's disinformation right. campaign against me has now succeeded. Yeah. Well, come on, man. Now she'll be like Dean at, you know, Columbia School of Journalism. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, for sure. For <laughs> yeah. sure. They're going to, she'll be at the Atlantic's next gathering yeah, 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 on yeah, disinformation. Yeah, definitely. Fo- definitely. Fo- definitely. Yeah, yeah. Tell us, a, tell us about you, how you fell Ask victim to the, to the disinformation hordes. Yeah. The people who know that the Hunter Biden story was real. Yeah. Those people, they're, yeah. they're the worst. Yeah, they're the worst. The people who thought the Russia story seemed highly suspect. They're the yeah. worst. Yeah. Get those people out of the public square. Yeah, well. They've rewritten the past. That's, that's the worst thing. Anyway. <sighs> Nina, we hardly knew you. I, you're right, though. We're going to see her everywhere. Yeah, it's just the beginning. <laughs> oh, nuke it. As soon as Republicans take over. First order of business. Yeah, yeah. Because that thing, will, it will survive. Mm-hmm. It will survive. Also, I... Pause I, to stop. <laughs> that's I, what I'm going to say. I believe that Chertoff also is a Hunter Biden uh, laptop truther. I, I, I think he was yeah. on the disinformation yeah. train on that one too yeah. great yeah well Ugh. i'm keeping you longer than i meant to because you're always so interesting but i do want to talk about your newsletter codebook codebook.bulletin.com about the art of making friends these days and you've been doing these awesome focus groups for the new york times which i'm sure has been eye-opening both in working for the new york times and the new york times readers response uh to your focus groups and the focus groups themselves but you wrote this week about people making friends, Americans making friends, sort of whether they feel connected to society and whether whether those friends ever are across the aisle. Tell me a little bit about what you found. So what we found was that people these days, one, have fewer close friends than they used to just in general. You know, compared to, to 1990, people nowadays are much less likely to report having very many people they consider close friends. And while for older Americans, they are more likely to say, look, I've got a couple of friends who have been around for a very long time. And what we heard in those focus groups was, you know, a lot of these conservative men, some of them said, like, making new friends these days just seems like a waste of time and effort because the likelihood that I'm going to offend someone is reasonably high. So I just rely on the friends I've already got. But for those friends, you know, we've been through enough that even though I voted for Trump and they voted for whoever, you know, we we can weather it because we've got those years of friendship and they, they know that I'm not a bad person, even though I, I disagree with them. But for younger Americans, that's not really the case. That like for them, when they are making the decision of who am I going to be friends with, especially for young progressives, do you share my political views is like a part of that initial friendship mix And I I acknowledged in the piece that there are valid reasons why you might not want to be close friends with someone with whom you vehemently disagree on certain issues, that our politics are a reflection of our values and 
there just may be values you have that are not the sort of thing I'm looking for in a friend. And that's, that's fine. But it, what was so fascinating to me was it was clear that at some point, the link to this piece, I, I could never trace like who is patient zero, but it wound right. up like in like dirtbag left podcast, <laughs> like, I, I don't know, world. And all of the responses were from people who were like, well, of course, sorry for not wanting to be friends with people who think that trans people should die. And I'm like, yeah. what? that I I'm pretty sure that I'm wasn't in there. Pretty sure that's not what my piece was about. Not really sure anybody clicked on it. I, I feel like this was probably just like discussed on some podcast somewhere. But it was very much an exercise in like a lot of people on the Internet not only didn't get the point, but we're like actually making the point I was making in the piece through their reaction to it of like, these people clearly have never had a conversation with someone who is Republican or conservative that was not like a politically hostile disaster. And I think part of that is probably because they're not in spaces where they are encountering people in a non-political format at all. Like that's my big prescription is we've got to have arenas of American life right? where we are coming together because we are talking about the bachelorette or we are coming together because we share faith and we're in church or we're coming together because we work in a workplace and we share a skill set. And like politics is, you know, third or fourth order in, in those relationships. And I, I just worry that like places in American life that facilitate that are atrophying, which means all that's left is, oh, well, we talk about politics. And so, of course, I wouldn't want to be friends right, with Right, exactly. If you're going to acknowledge my humanity or whatever that looks like. Right. And I think that's a symptom of the thermostat being broken is that is that thing where this plays such a huge role in who you will break bread with that you don't get to the other interests. And I actually, both of you, both of us have, have been fellows at Georgetown for, for the Institute of Politics. And obviously, this is a generation of students far younger than I am. I mean, not that much younger, but they, they do have a very different experience. Now I'm a weirdo. I grew up in an all liberal town. And so most of my friends, my entire life don't agree with me. And that's part of what made me who I am. Like I've, I've spent an entire life explicating my views since I was about seven years old. And that's what I'm comfortable doing. But I feel like with young people in these settings, I tend to end up, I start out teaching a a course or a seminar about free speech, but it ends up being a seminar essentially about how would one speak to other humans? <laughs> because, because when, when they're confronted with the idea that there are humans they could speak to that have a different point of view, the reaction is very hostile that, that this is either harmful to them or, or is a situation in which they need to convert the other person to which I say, like, don't be the street preacher of politics. Like that's not, <laughs> You're not winning souls this way. Just have a conversation in which maybe at the end of it, both of you go, I never thought about it that way before. That's it. That's all we're looking for. Mm-hmm. And that will get you much further down the path of humanity than the thing that you're imagining in your head. But I have been surprised at how much of those conversations end up being conversation 101. Yeah. Well, I think part of the the backlash to the piece was that people read the headline, you know, younger Americans less likely to make friends across the aisle. And they get defensive about it because they know that at a certain level, that's not good. And then they're feeling attacked for not having 
made friends across the aisle. And that's why they're like, well, I, I, I don't have to defend myself for saying I, I don't want friends who are, you know, racists or what. I'm not saying you need to go get friends who are racists. That's not the point of my piece. The point of my piece is that perhaps someone who is not a Democrat might also not be a racist. And you right. might not know that if table stakes for being in your universe are progressive politics. So just consider that possibility yeah. is all I'm asking. Yes. And my, my pitch is always like, you'll be surprised how much more rich and fun it might make your life to have people who disagree with you around you. It's it's a real thing. I know I'm the weirdo have to who be likes nasty. to disagree it with people, but it can be, it can be nice. <laughs> yeah. be nice. 